Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Slaughter Podcast. We'll be discussing topics that some listeners may find slightly arousing. No, no, they're going to be absolutely disgusting. Pull your trousers back up. So, welcome to episode 17 of Slaughter. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. Um, I'm feeling like we're regressing here over at Slaughter today because I've got my pigtails in. I've not worn pigtails for nigh on four years now I think because I used to wear them for work till I was about 25 and then someone made a comment saying you look like an adult baby a little bit they were like oh it's funny how you still wear pigtails at work and then I never did it again ever you do have quite a baby face though so automatically you look five I mean what age should you stop wearing pigtails never probably seven and a half I think when your hair falls out and even then you could draw some on if you wanted Get one of those headbands with like a bit of hair either side, like Pippi yeah. Long stuck in. I mean, the weird headband crazes are gone now, aren't they? The ones know. with your name on. No, never allowed one with your name on. <gasps> yes. No, Mum would never let me because then a stranger could come to your school and say, "Oh, Emma, I've come to pick you up," and they wouldn't be there to pick me up, but they'd know my name. So I just wanted to do a shout out to the social media. Um, so slaughter the pod on twitter just search for s apostrophe laughter on facebook and write us a review i keep mentioning about reviews on twitter and facebook but because we love them don't forget in fact i'd go so far to say as if you listened all the way from the beginning to this point and you've not written a review you're stealing this content from us that's the only payment we're asking <laughs> <Emma's face. laughs> you've gone too far you've gone too far lucy you're pissing off the listen don't care i thought maybe we'd give you opportunity to do it now so Log on now. We're not going to say anything funny till you've done it. Yeah, we're going to sit really quiet now. Yep, five stars. Not fucking four. Five. There you go. Done. It's like it's like getting your homework off your chest, isn't it? It's like, now you can enjoy the evening. Now you can listen guilt-free. My UK true crime story this week is quite a recent case, and it was really, really high profile at the time, so you, you'll probably recognise it. If you live in the UK... I'm pretty certain you'll know this one. And if you don't, you probably won't. Just because it wasn't that big. (laughs) So February 19th, 2008 is where we're starting with a little girl called Shannon Matthews. Does that name ring bells to you? I don't know. You'll you'll know it. Um, So Shannon Matthews was a nine-year-old girl and she was reported missing on February the 19th at 6.48 by her mother. So mum phones up the police and says, my daughter's gone missing. You can hear the 999 call online, and I had to listen to it. And Did you? It was interesting. Um, I also, it, you know how YouTube continues playing, took me to some funny 999 call, calls. Um, it had uh, a woman who couldn't find her glasses, phone 999. And the operator was not having it. If she's blind, though, that would be terrifying. She couldn't see to eat her potatoes. Did she say that? I yeah, she did. Yeah, she said. I feel that way about potatoes sometimes. The woman was not happy. Not mashed potatoes. But if there were some roasties and I knew they were there and I couldn't access them, I'd be pretty distressed. Yeah, I can. I sympathised. How did she put out the potatoes? Sense of smell. Hmm. Although I suppose you you could eat them with your sense of smell like a pig sniffing for truffles. So she disappeared after a swimming trip. So wait, this has got nothing to do with potatoes now, has it? No, no. That was a digression. So she disappeared after a swimming trip with her school to Dewsbury um, in West Yorkshire. So she's Yorkshire lass and she failed to return home. And we recently, before this, we had Madeleine McCann. And obviously that was 
family, doctors, high profile, was that cute little girl. before this? That was before this. Was You're kidding. Ages ago now. But this one was like the the poverty version of Madeleine McCann. Oh, right. I mean, it was a rough area. The mum, you know, she wasn't eloquent. She wasn't missed. No, no. The, we missed the kid. <laughs> the kid we care about. The mum wasn't eloquent. She wasn't, she's like... She didn't make good TV. He's thinking of Kate McCann. Like, like oh yeah, we, well, we can't put you on this morning. But Kate McCann, she was almost like the, uh, what's the princess's name? Kate Middleton. Kate Middleton of the missing children world. And she was very glamorous and, and she was very eloquent. Um, I've seen it like she's dead, she's still alive. Karen Matthews. Karen Matthews. I mean, she's called Karen. Yeah. She's called Karen. There is that. We have to check the Facebook group, make sure there's no Karens on there now. So she wasn't as eloquent, um, and she did. I'll, I'll talk about the interviews that she did later. So the next day, so this was six forty-eight p.m. The next day, I mean, they're off the job, aren't they? The police about that time. They kind of they go there having their dinner. So the next morning, now pl- we'll attack it. Yeah, police launch a massive search. They had two hundred officers looking for this girl neighbours members of the community all joined in the hunt for Shannon they're all looking all around the community searching the area the police were searching people's homes they questioned 1500 motorists in the area they searched 3000 homes on the off chance they'd find her just looking through people's houses leave no stone unturned might as well yeah used 10% of West Yorkshire's police force it is actually the biggest police search since the Yorkshire Ripper so it was huge and they came out in full force I think it it was I mean it was like a big deal I mean you did have Madeleine McCann in people's minds and also everyone knows the early the early stages of someone going missing are, are crucial there Karen Matthews made pleas for people to put up posters of Shannon just um, draw a picture of her and stick it up yeah just, please make a poster I can't remember what she looks like my printer's broken so <laughs> if you could do it for me please yeah on 22nd of February police released footage of Shannon leaving Jewbury Sports Centre so they had her on CCTV was but, she on her own had she just wandered off or <laughs> was she actually kidnapped because she had a name on her headband well I think she was she was nine I walked home at nine did you? Yeah. I used to go down the No, shop. to be fair, when I was younger, especially when we lived in, especially when I lived in Yorkshire, we would go to town on our own. Like, I was a latchkey kid, though. I'd let myself in. One time I did get locked out and wee myself and someone had to let me in. But... You weed yourself. Well, I was like, do you know when you leave it all day and then you get home and it kind of like, you get that rush of needing away. And I couldn't get in the house. One time I was playing out with people and they were rollerblading and they'd let me borrow some rollerblades and I didn't know how to rollerblade and then, but all the cool kids were doing it so I was like fine and then I really needed a wee but I didn't know how to rollerblade so I couldn't roll home so I just weed myself. How's she doing? In the rollerblades. Did they, did they notice? Yeah. <laughs> Moral of the story is don't be get... a try hard because you end up pissing yourself moral of the story is everyone's done it you gotta go you gotta go we yeah. should all just get over it we should all just piss ourselves and be like see told you told you people urinate so the footage was everywhere of Shannon leaving the sports how did we get from sports centre to weeing ourselves I don't understand weeing in the pool <laughs> we didn't even discuss that no uh, so they knew what she'd wearing um, I mean if I go missing I want to be wearing something really, really... Like, you, they're going to recognise me. I was going to say, is that why you dress the way you do? Because if I go missing... She was wearing golf trousers and a penguin top. Everyone look for her. That would be shameful, wouldn't it? No, you'd be found pretty generally. Very just To be fair, probably no one would abduct you if that's <laughs> what you were wearing. So a, no- a note is found in Shannon's room saying she'd like to leave home. But, I mean, I wrote a lot of stuff when I was a kid. Yeah. I used to always... I had a really nasty diary... The J. Yeah. What were you name and shame? Yeah, but like, mum, you're a bitch. <laughs> and she wasn't. She's lovely. But then I, I wrote an article when I was about nine about being raped by a superstar. Didn't happen. Just thought it'd be a good to thing. To the police? No, just me and my friend wrote it saying... It, was like, it wasn't me being raped. It was like... You wrote a story about rape. It was like, I was raped by a superstar. I think we chose Ant and Deck or something. Just because, like, we'd heard what rape was and we thought we were like, let's make our own magazine and thought that was a good idea. My mum confiscated it and was like, I think we need to have a chat. <laughs> At least she found it and not a teacher because if, if a kid in my class wrote a story about being raped, I'd be like, protect the child! <laughs> so just because she'd written this note, I don't think necessarily means anything, to be honest. 
because kids no. write kids write all kinds of stuff um on 1st of march the sun newspaper offered twenty thousand pounds for information on where shannon was and then on the 4th of march karen matthews makes appeals for shannon to be let go so she's on the news she's struggling on camera i mean she she said what she had to say people started to question her at that point people oh, started really? to think why what was her behavior she's like? being a bit weird so 12th of march she was she like up. winking after every sentence <laughs> Like kept, my daughter's missing kept nudging Work. the police officer next to her like I really want her back nudge <laughs> I mean people started finding her behaviour strange um, she was laughing and joking when she was off camera not on camera she was like oh, lol my daughter's gone but off camera she was laughing and joking she didn't seem concerned enough she said something like ah Shannon's famous when she saw a picture of her on TV which people thought was a bit weird it's tricky though you're worried about the child it's like the Amanda Knox thing how they were filming them and afterwards and said like oh they didn't act the way you'd expect someone to act when you find out your friend's murder and it's like well what is the correct way to act she was like are you never allowed to smile again are you never allowed to Mm. hug your boyfriend again like what is the behaviour of someone and I think not saying necessarily in this case. I mean, if she's winking and nudging, like, big indicator. Yeah. But I think you can look at almost any behaviour. If someone's really crying, you can say, oh, they're going over the top. If yeah. they're calm, you're like, oh, they're not really bothered. It's tricky when you microanalyze it. Yeah, and that's. I think that's what happened after that. Everyone has microanalyzed this completely to be like, oh, well, she moved ahead in that way then. That indicates that she's doing a shrug as if she like doesn't believe what she's saying and all this stuff. Like, if you look into yeah, it... Like, every second word, yeah. when you take out every second word that she says, she's basically reciting the Bible. Yeah, or a, a Backstreet Boys song. The Sun upped their amount offering to 50,000 on the 12th of March. Um, Karen Matthews comes out saying that she's worried a family member may have taken Shannon, um, which is suddenly news to everyone. Which well, is if you're going to say that, you must have someone in mind. Mm, well, you're like, like, all my family are a bit weird. If you're like, a family member's <laughs> taken her, you obviously know which, yeah, like, which one that is. Who? But she has like a teddy bear, and there's a lot of comparisons to Kate McCann carrying around a teddy bear when Madeline McCann went missing. She kept hold of um, Kate McCann's teddy bear, but the comparisons are that Karen sort of uses it as a prop and is like holding it up to the camera rather than her just wanting this teddy bear nearer and actually showing it on camera which um people have sort of microanalyzed again and said it just looks suspicious it doesn't look natural yeah like you should be hugging it if you want it for comfort but you're just like here it is and there was quite a lot of footage of her almost smiling or smirking but again that's kind of a nervous behavior i think maybe she had bell's palsy so karen had a boyfriend so she wasn't with the father of shannon but she did have a boyfriend called craig meehan um and he just basically seemed confused the entire time i mean he was on camera with her they were doing a lot of hugging but he didn't he wasn't a public speaker he didn't they weren't he didn't know they were in a relationship (laughs) karen had just decided probably not megan so shannon's best friend she was also sort of pushed center stage at this point by karen um so she kept bringing up oh and megan misses her and then bring oh megan come on camera with me she was pushed to the forefront and a lot of people kind of started going that's a bit weird isn't it big reveal on 14th march shannon's found alive oh yeah so it's fine that we made jokes she's not dead she's not dead in the base of a divan bed in a flat belonging to michael donovan in the base of a bed so like in like in the drawers underneath like do you know you get those ugly beds that have got a divan like when you lift up my sofa like in there yeah and (gasps) you know people have those like sheets that hang over the edges but yeah and that bottom bit that you cut some people put it's like old-fashioned beds isn't it so she was under that like i remember at my uni room you could you could literally have someone sleeping under the bed there's enough space because it was so big the divan so she was in that she'd been tethered and she'd been um given some drugs to keep her quiet as well how had they found her so they'd basically gone oh the boyfriend craig meehan um right well we'll just check everyone that he knows and then they didn't realize he had an uncle and they went oh we didn't know he had an uncle went round there went in didn't see anything strange and then they heard a little girl's voice then found her under the bed first time they'd gone to that location and found her um so michael donovan was arrested 
um, the community were obviously overjoyed she's been found alive and no one thought that was going to happen because you think it's been rarely happens it's 14th of march she went missing on 19th of feb if you're into nicking kids you're usually into killing kids as well unfortunately so it's just a fact (laughs) they rarely come back alive true true so um they celebrated they partied karen However, and again, hindsight, maybe people are writing this in, but she seemed a little bit upset and confused and rumours began that Karen had been somehow involved in the kidnapping. So people just started saying it then. They're like, well, she she had something to do with it. And she is a brilliant salesperson of divan beds. She is. 18th of March, Karen's interviewed about the disappearance. She denies knowing anything. Donovan starts saying, she asked me to do this. She's in on this she wanted the reward money so he gives a motive for right. her i remember this being on the news i remember this I being feel, now you now we've gone into it it is i remember yeah um the police continued to question karen every day about the kidnapping i think they basically just hoped she'd break it's basically like did you do it did you do it did you do it i'll come back tomorrow eventually thinking she's gonna go oh yeah i did that <laughs> does work a lot of times you know she just wanted to shut the fuck up in the end did bloody work in the end shannon's also questioned um about the disappearance but she doesn't know anything about why she was taken she just knows that she was taken so she she doesn't have any information to give them craig Mian's computer search so the boyfriend and indecent images of children are found on that oh so shit. he looks like a prick now um, he looks like a massive prick now. Yeah. He also looks like a pedo now. He does look a bit like a pedo. I think we could be like 85% sure <laughs> that he's a pedo at this point. And her involvement with him obviously doesn't make her look great then as well. Kind of like, no. Jane, a pedo. Probably not the best judge of character, are you? Um, so he's arrested. He received 20 weeks, but he spent so long in jail waiting for um, sort of the trial that to decide what's going to happen to him that he's let out straight away it's like what well, yeah, you've done his 20 time. weeks you've done it bye so 6th of april karen matthews was arrested on suspicion of perverting the course of justice so they made the decision that there was enough evidence of her knowing what was happening being involved with suspicious people that this wasn't just a normal kidnapping um so she was charged with child neglect kidnapping and false imprisonment uh she's also claimed to have said to a family liaison officer who was doing a little bit of the did you do it did you do it and she said people hate me for what i've done i've disgraced the kids and started crying so she kind of almost a little bit confessed there but she did have other kids say shannon's brothers and sisters is who she's talking about then donovan did everything he could to portray himself as weak tried to suggest that she'd taken advantage of him that he was a victim as much as Shannon was. Oh, she's the manipulative witch that did it all and these men just had to go along with it. I mean, his story came kind of fell down when it was revealed that his own two daughters had been taken into care. Because he, he was a pedo! No, because he'd oh. made them watch him have sex with prostitutes. That's that's I a bit that's, pedo. That's on the pedo <laughs> spectrum, for sure. If you want From children, zero to pedo, that's pretty high up there, isn't from it? From zero to pedo, I'd put that at about a seven. Yeah, and who were these prostitutes agreeing to that? Unless no. they were looking through a glory hole, which I still maintain is a hole you look through and not put a penis through. Having sex and money is fine, and I, I, don't, I think people who do that, I don't think they necessarily have got low morals, but to, to let a child watch, you'd think they'd... Even if they're gonna, if they're desperate for the money, go back and report it after. Be like, that's pretty weird. I mean, obviously someone did in the end because you've got his kids removed. So well done to them. You also apparently wrote love letters to his own daughters and teachers have found them in lunchboxes. Then he's he's gone up to a ten now. Yeah. On the pedo scale, I all doubt is gone from my mind. So Donovan's Donovan's niece also described him as creepy. They had to d- delay the trial of Karen and Donovan because he'd been attacked in jail. I mean, I'm not excusing vigilante action, but I could see why you might people might get het up by him. Slightly um, irked. Yeah. They're like, oh, we've got a seven on the scale. And then they realise, shit, he's a ten after all. Did him in. Karen continued to deny being involved in her daughter's disappearance in court. She claimed uh, her boyfriend had told her to take the blame for the crimes previously. And that she'd said yes because she was scared of him. But if you saw his face, I mean, he's not... It's not the mastermind behind it. He's stupider than he looks. Uh, he looks as stupid as he is. He looks stupid. Um, he's a pedo. On the pedo scale, he's pushing six. 
True. It's revealed she told five versions of the story of the kidnapping um, when she was questioned. But uh, to be honest, I think that's fairly common as well. People change... People... Shannon did. No, Karen, the was mother. She... Oh, you didn't know she was fucking there. So yeah, of course she can change the story <laughs> five times. Uh, it's also revealed that she had shopped for a sat-nav the night that Shannon went missing. So my daughter's gone. What do I need now? A sat-nav to find her. Type in Shannon. <laughs> Find Shannon Matthews. Shannon. Didn't Stop work. working. No. <laughs> Good try. Maybe it needs updating. <laughs> the jury took six hours before they found both Donovan and uh, Karen Matthews guilty on the 4th of December and they both got eight years. So I don't, I mean, I, I mean, no one got killed. They I, they did it for money. But eight, eight years considering she served half, I think that's quite a short amount of time. Four years whizzes by. Oh, she only did four years? She only did four years. That's like doing a degree. Yeah, that's like BA. BA in drama. And even that's useless. Emma drama. They did it most. A lot of my my uh, co-students did. Emma drama. An M drama. It's not a full master's. It's an M. And a lot of them are like, no one knows what it is. I was like, yeah, because it's just one letter. What's <laughs> the point? 5th of April 2012, um, Karen Matthews is released from jail. So she was out in 2012. She served four years. She changed her name and she moved away to avoid media attention. But uh, she still had the same face. She still had the same face. She's yeah. quickly tracked down. The Sun actually recently did um, a, a whole... The Sun are all over this shit. This is pure The Sun's MO. Like, oh yeah, you've got a missing kid, have you? You're the best. We love you. You can be in the newspaper every week. Are you a bit of a pedo? We hate you. You're going to be in the paper every week. Like, fucking hell, but, and the she's sun. Like, she's from a really rough area. And they basically did a report on her having black rotten teeth and stuff in her face with junk and food and guzzling crisps, which I think is alienating most of their readers, to be honest. And it's also really tricky. If you're going to guzzle something, crisps are not something you can yeah. guzzle. Surely a liquid is guzzling. You have to really chew a crisp. Otherwise, it's like razor blades. True. Uh, she's also been attacked... Um, Another there was another Sun article that said that someone had thrown mushy peas at her when she was leaving the chippy, and she had fireworks thrown at her in the street. So she's, I mean, she's not having a great time uh, because people know free about... peas. <laughs> she probably does it on purpose now. Hangs outside the chippy with her mouth open, holding it. If I stay here long on. enough, I'll get fed. <laughs> this is a risky episode. Um, she has asked for facial surgery, so no one recognises her. But I think she's just trying to get a facelift on the NHS. <laughs> not happening they said no um, but, but they should be like yeah we'll do it for you as long as you agree to have the face that we pick for you <laughs> yeah so and Shannon was taken into care and she lives with a new family which I like to think are lovely I would never fake her kidnapping for the papers we hope that I mean the probability of them being pedos now she's already met two of them so the probability of the new people being pedos is pretty low I think she's had a fair share yeah So, I'm going to do a guy called Donald Hume. Heard of him? No. But before you put in, <laughs> this is not Donald Hume, the great accordion player of the 20th century. And yes, even though he did have some extraordinary skills on the accordion, including adding extra buttons so that he could invert the chords that normal people play, don't spend hours watching videos of him on YouTube expecting there to be a murder. There isn't going to be one. All you'll find is an accordion-playing god who may or may not have become a tragic alcoholic later in life. Does he do weddings? No. But his name also has an L in it, unlike the Donald Hume I intended to research when I got <laughs> deep into the accordion-playing world. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Donald Hume without the L. On a side note, have you seen that video that's Donald Trump, but they, whenever he moves his hands, it looks like an accordion is playing and they did the sound to go with it? No, but that is really fucked up with my research today because as soon as you type in Donald, you can't find anything that isn't Donald Trump. He just has swamped every search engine. Like, <laughs> fuck right off. There are other people called Donald that I want to hear about. There are great accordion players out there who deserve to be recognised but can't be because as soon as you look for anyone called Donald, it's all Trump, Trump, Trump. Maybe I want to hear some super fast finger skills. Donald fucking Nielsen coming next week as well. Was that who? I only know three Donalds now. Don't bring me a fourth. Foreshadowing. I can't handle four Donalds in my life. <laughs> so this Donald, he was actually called Brian. Oh. Which... What? 
I know I've just gone on about Donalds for a while. Well, he's one of those ones where his name's Brian Donald Hume, but oh. everyone fucked off the Brian for some reason. Possibly because when people tried to search him, they kept typing in Brain Donald Hume. <laughs> Again, not something I particularly did. <laughs> just threw it out there. So, Donald Hume was born in December 1919 to an unmarried schoolmistress. Very oh. familiar story. I haven't had a baby. (laughs) It was, obviously, at the time, quite... The rules for teachers were very strict. I know this, because as a gift, a child once gave me a poster of rules. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's for teachers from 1900. Amazing. Well, I've seen Mona Lisa Spile, so I know what shit goes now. So obviously, so at the time, teachers were supposed to remain unmarried and weren't supposed to have families and the school mistresses particularly. So Donald was left in the care of an orphanage. And this orphanage specialised in looking after children of sin. And their emotional torture was quite extensive. Um, They had apparently a pet parrot that would regularly just shout out the word, Bastard! Parrots are dicks though, aren't they? Yeah. Like, they bite really hard and everyone's like, oh, it's just a bird. Nope, that shit hurts. Well, I mean, this one would just shout out to remind these kids of their position. Like, he must have known they were getting sad. Yeah, it's like, illegitimate! Yeah. I mean, I think I might need to get one for school that just shouts out, full stops! (laughs) So that I don't have to fucking say it. So Hume uh, wrote a book when he was in prison later called Confession. And in it, he describes a lot of his early life and some of the cruel practices that the orphanage would do. So they would use food and sleep as sanctions and um, they even went to the extreme of creating a character called the Old Green Gypsy, which was basically like their own bogeyman character. Sounds like Slenderman. Yeah, pretty much. They'd appear and say that they're going to come at night and if you've misbehaved, they might take you and things like that. Um, so basically a staff member would actually dress up in green... <laughs> And carry, like, a cane, like a stick that was green and would rattle when they walked just to scare the shit out of these tiny little kids with no family to look after them. I mean, green's not the scariest colour, though, is it? I mean, green's like nature and peace and... They must have just had a bit lying around. Bogies. Like, what are we going to do with all of this? Well, what should we do with all the green? Wrap up Malcolm in it and he can wander the corridors. I bet he loved that. Get in this, Malk. But apparently... When he was age seven, Hume recognised the feet underneath this costume and chased after them with an axe. Jesus. Which is not the first time that I can think of talking about someone picking up an axe and chasing someone. So I don't know why there's so many axes just lying around willy-nilly. Chopping wood. Yeah, do you have one to chop the wood for your fire? Not in the house. I'm going to say, where do you keep it? Chop it by the fire. Apparently seven-year-olds can just pick up axes. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's just basically, I think that's our version of guns. Like, if you're really into protecting yourself, you leave an axe in the house. Like, we're Vikings and we're just going to stay that way. Yeah. Um, So eventually, 
he was rescued and taken from the orphanage by his grandma, who then took him to live with his aunt, Doody. <laughs> now, I hope this is some kind of nickname. And I understand that for Americans, Doody has a slightly different connotation. Poop. Um, I'm pretty sure it's not Doody. I mean, if we're using our phonics correctly, it's D-O-O-D-I-E. So I'm going for Doody. Yeah. But it sounds ridiculous to say. I mean, it sounds like she's going to be constantly leaking a little bit of doo-doo. Oh. Like, do you know, like, do you know when you get old and you haven't got all your faculties? Well, I think if you give yourself like a... But like, you excuse it because it's Aunt Doody. You give yourself like a cute little you know pet I mean? name, like, oh, it's Aunt Doody. Like, you imagine that they're going to be a sweet, nice person, but this one was a bitch. She had two other children, two other girls, and so basically made it clear that Donald was not part of the family excluding him from various different things they would even like leave him at home while they went on day trips and on holidays and things like that so on one occasion where they all went off without him he took his anger out on one of the cockerels they kept and shot it with a shotgun and then threw it into a cesspool and then when they came back he just said it had drowned cesspool's like a toilet pool isn't it yeah when I was little my granddad always used to say to me he'd be like your eyes are like two pools and it's probably a joke that he nicked off Morecambe and Wise or something but I used to love it I was like tell me the eyes thing again (laughs) call Um, me shit for eyes again so Hume would later feel an even worse betrayal when he found out that his headmistress aunt was in fact his actual birth mother oh god so this revelation coupled with his pretty shitty childhood led him to describe himself as having a chip on his shoulder the size of an elephant. That happened to my aunt. She found out that her sister was a mum. Shit. Yeah. And she never forgave her. It's like he's standard. Well, as, You're not my mother! As the yes, Buddha said, holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Words of wisdom. That's just a little fact for you. I've been doing Buddhism all week at school, so (laughs) I'm full of this. I've got more. So Hume eventually broke ties with his family and he moved to London and just started working in various like low-paid manual jobs. But 1939 brought the Second World War and also opportunities for those who were a little bit shady and wanted to take advantage of it. So Hume initially signed up as a reserve pilot in the RAF but then was forced to leave in 1940 after he had meningitis. And his RAF medical report at the time also revealed that a doctor had written that he had a degree of organically determined psychopathy. Oh. So they weren't even assessing him psychologically, but they noticed, like, okay, he's obviously got some indicators here that he's... Got a big P on his forehead. Yeah. Psychopath. Hume then still found a way to put his knowledge of the RAF to good news. He bought an officer's uniform and then basically started living out the plot to catch me if you can. Oh, I love that film. So he would make write forged checks and cash them at RAF stations and bases. He was caught, however, in 1942 and he served um, about two years in prison. So then after this, he attempted to go straight. He set up a, an electrician business and he started a family. But he was soon pulled back into the criminal world by a man named Stanley Setti that Hume had met at the Hollywood Club near Marble Arch. So Setti was a guy that had been born in Baghdad of Jewish parents and his original name was Solman Setti with an I, but then he changed it when he moved to England, age four. You wanted to sound more like a sofa. Yeah. Sit on the settee. Stanley was known as a spiv, like a wheeler dealer, someone on the black market. Bit of this, bit of that. Yeah, so he was also a curbside banker, was another term that they used back then. Someone who did all their dealings on the street, didn't have a bank account, like kept it all cash in hand, basically carried all his cash around with him as well. Um, so... Hume had been taken in by Seti's wealthy appearance and, like, wide boy ways and described him as having a voice like broken bottles and pockets stuffed with cash. That sounds horrible. It does sound horrible. I'm not quite sure what that sound would be. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so then I was trying to think, 
that I mean I loved the metaphor though like it was unique I was wondering what I would describe my voice as if I had to like it was like bird's claws scratching a surface I don't (laughs) don't know mine would be like two annoying students sitting in a library (laughs) just you on your own you're both of them (laughs) yeah I both oh my god (laughs) yeah So these guys became friends and business partners, dealing in black market goods like nylon and forging coupons for petrol and things like that. And Seti also had a used car business, almost exactly like Mr. Wormwood from Matilda, where they would have like stolen cars and they would set the clocks back so it looked like they hadn't done as many miles. I mean, I tried that when I loved Matilda when I was little, and like I remember my dad coming out to the car and catching me trying fiddling with the dials to try and turn them backwards. <laughs> you can't do that anymore. Hume's pilot license was extremely useful in this business, and he earned himself the nickname of the Flying Smuggler. Mm. So, October 1949. So they've been at this for a while, but their relationship deteriorated drastically. And that's because Seti went after the one thing. A woman. That you would never go for after. A dog. Ah. You said you would never stab a dog. You'd stab a human before you'd stab a dog. I'd never cut off a dog's legs. So, yeah. So Seti claimed that Hume's dog had brushed up against one of their newly respayed cars. And he had kicked his pet terrier. I mean, some say that he kicked out the dog. And then others say that he literally booted the dog in the face but yeah, he I was that, cruel to the dark. That's like, good day. It is the line. My little sister had a boyfriend who we all refer to as an internet boyfriend, even though she met him in real life. They just had this like long distance thing. She was like 14 at the yeah. time. And he came to stay and we all hated him because he was the internet boyfriend. We also hated him because he kicked the dog. He kicked the dog. And Get our, out. Yeah, and our dog was like did nothing anyway it's just that he happened to be in the way and also we knew he was wrong too because he was trying i was like oh is Kristen ready and he yelled up the stairs at my parents house to Kristen, who was in her room i was like who why are you fucking yelling upstairs if we needed to yell upstairs we wouldn't have this dinner bell <laughs> i love the dinner bell like get with the program you don't know the rules of this house we use a dinner bell we don't kick dogs I mean, the kicking dog. There's two rules of the house. Dinner bell, don't kick a dog. Like, seriously. And we do rounds of tea like other people do rounds of drinks in the pub. (laughs) If it's your turn to make it, you have to get up. No one can go to bed if they haven't done their round of tea. As you would have, I imagine, Hume flew into a violent rage over him kicking the dog. And unlike you, he had a Nazi SS dagger as decoration on his wall. I'm so glad you said unlike me. (laughs) Which I he, said a lot of shit, but I don't have a Nazi dagger. Um, so he grabbed this, and he said that he wielded the dagger just like our savage ancestors, and stabbed Seti seventy-five times, based mostly in his chest and legs, but literally just stabby stab stab everywhere. I mean, that's that's the definition of getting carried away, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that is literally what they said that he got carried away, and I was like. Yeah. I don't know. Should have been a writer. Carried away is like when you're singing along to music in the club and then it stops and you're the one person talking no, loudly. That. That's carried away. Stabbing someone 75 times is fucking out yeah. of body. Yeah. After watching him die, Hume then shoved the body in the coal cupboard until the next day when his wife had left and he took it out to dismember him. Not because it was like sick, just because it's like a body's yeah. massive. Like what are you going to do with it? Yeah. I made it sound like, of course, you know, <laughs> obviously. Um, so it's so ease of transport. Um, he used a hacksaw and a linoleum knife to remove the head and remove the legs. And then he wrapped them up in a green felt and tied it up with a cord that later they would describe as being like a clothesline. So can you use green felt? Because it's green specifically gypsy. green felt. I don't know why he would have had it around again. What he killed that green gypsy and stole his coat. I think they said it was some sort of um, like carpet underlay, um, which was helpful because then he arranged to have his carpets cleaned and replaced to remove the blood. And he was also pretty pissed off because in the cleanup he'd had to burn nine hundred pounds worth of notes that had blood on them because obviously yeah. Seti's got it like just falling out of pockets. 
so and I guess back then you had like proper papery notes it wasn't like the money that we've got now where you could probably just give it a rinse so he was not happy so anyway he took the packaged up body parts and he hired a plane from Elstree airport so that he could fly out and dump the remains over the English channel out the plane Mm, out the plane like a horrid little bomb (laughs) but he wasn't the greatest flyer I mean he hadn't really had he'd been in the RAF for like a year and his training was a long time ago so he mistook the English channel for Edna's house instead of falls at a dinner table for the dengue marshes oh now do you know where dengue is no it's like the butt of England like it's almost like a peninsula I never gave a shit about it and it's like a nature reserve in Essex oh no I've never heard anyone be like yeah I've gone to dengue no. so it can't be nice popping down dengue but there's a shitload of marshes there anyway and it looked like open water when he was um, in the night but it's nowhere near the fucking English Channel like I say it's up around the arse end of England if you live in dengue give us a tweet tell us what it's like if you live in dengue they're probably like Move. actually <laughs> it's pronounced dengue October 21st, Sydney Tiffin, um, a farm labourer, was out hunting wildfowl in the dengue marshes and he saw a bundle floating in the water. So, of course he opened it up. Why wouldn't I open soggy marsh package? <laughs> What's his dirty old bag in the marshes? Oh, I'll give that a look. Could be <laughs> something nice because nice things are always packaged up and dumped in a marsh. Yeah. You know the saying, good things come in marshy packages. (laughs) So obviously he opened it up and he found a headless torso that was covered in stab wounds. So I think that's put him off opening packages (laughs) for life. And the hands of the body were still intact and remained. So Scotland Yard were able to match the fingerprints from the hands. Rookiera. To Stanley Setti, who'd been previously arrested for uh, bankruptcy offences. So he was on file. And the discovery of the body was so wildly publicised that the aerodrome at Elstree contacted the police to say, oh, on the night of this murder, this guy with some pretty bulky packages showed up. So when they searched the plane, they found traces of blood on the floor behind the seats and they pretty much had all the evidence they needed against Hume. So they arrested him. And he denied all knowledge of Seti's disappearance and told this story about how the packages he'd been told they were plates used for printing forged petrol coupons that they needed to get rid of, his friends on the black market. So they'd packaged those up and given him to drop in the sea. And that's what he thought he was carrying. I mean, if they're not... if I mean, they'd feel a lot more fleshy than that, wouldn't they? You than, like, so. metal spiky stuff. I mean, but then he went on to give these like incredibly detailed descriptions of these three men that he'd spoken to and like a really long sequence of events of who called who on what day and exactly what time and you can read his statement of this at journals.sagepub.com and I did and it was dull I think he basically just bored the jury into submission <laughs> because it was so much like at 255 he called me to ask and it's all like amounts of money times and it was really dirty so I won't bore you with that but if it was real he wouldn't have remembered some of it surely because you don't think like that do you we don't remember exactly what time someone phoned you yeah right Especially not then, when you'd have to have made sure you checked a clock. Yeah. Um, But so, within three hours, the jury, though, had returned and said that, basically, we can't reach a verdict on this. Well, that's your job. Go back and reach a... We can't do it, sorry. You're going to have to keep paying for the hotel and the meals. No, we're not doing it. And then in 1950, it carried on, and he was retried again. But this time, he was found not guilty of murder but guilty of being an accessory to murder. They basically believed his story that he didn't know what was in the packages and he just dropped them. Yeah. But an interesting side note to this is that while he was being held over this crime, he was with Timothy Evans, (gasps) who was involved in the John Christie case of Rillington Place. Yeah. So Timothy Evans was the guy that was... His wife was murdered. Um, his wife was murdered and he confessed, even though he hadn't done it. Yeah. So 
Donald Hume had released this big statement to a newspaper saying that I spoke to Timothy Evans and he's told me the true story and he confessed to me that he was actually there and saw Christy murder his wife but didn't do it himself and gave this huge long thing which was basically just all bullshit. How funny. But um, he was just trying to sell, sell a story. Yeah. Which he sort of enjoyed because then in... 1958 so he was char- he was sentenced to 12 years but he was out for good behavior so he was out in- by 1958 and at the time double jeopardy was still in effect so if you are tried and convicted of a or acquitted either way tried or acquitted for a crime you can't be retried for the same crime so there was no way that he could be charged for the murder again now he's been acquitted for the murder So basically, he contacted a newspaper magazine called the Sunday Pictorial. Yep, did a tell-all confession. Like literally, the opening lines were, "I, Donald Hume, have murdered Stanley." I did it. What are you going to do about it? Pretty much. (laughs) And the reporter is a guy called Victor Sims, and he basically said that this, the day of the interview, was the most terrifying, bloody day of my life. But surely, if there's new evidence, like him saying he did it, doesn't that? he's been tried for it a jury said no it can't be done he admitted everything and he even said that those character descriptions that the jury found so convincing and were basically the reason for doubt he said the reason he had so much detail was was because the people he was describing were the officers that originally interviewed him Uh. like he was literally two fingers up to them the whole time he was describing the police officers while he was there like (laughs) how crazy is that so four months after his release Hume had used his money from the Sunday pictorial to get a fake passport and headed over to Zurich. I thought you were going to say a fake tongue then. Spell it on a fake tongue. Look brilliant. He went to Zurich. Um, He was there for quite a while and apparently he met a woman he liked and whatever really happened, he needed some more money. And some sources say it's to keep this woman that he'd met into the standard to which he'd become accustomed so he set about doing a couple of scams like he came back to England and robbed these banks and timed it so that he could get the flight from Heathrow before the police would make their inquiries and then his next and last bank robbery took place in Switzerland so on the 30th of January 1959 so he's only been out a year he went into a Swiss bank and passed a note across the counter that was written in German basically saying do you fancy me? Yes. No. A little box is to check. <laughs> that would have probably been just as terrifying. Um, but no, basically like a hold-up note. The person at the counter tried to go for the alarm and Hume shot him in the stomach. <gasps> he then hit another clerk over the head with a gun and went to the safe and couldn't open it. So basically, he was just fucking up all over the place. Complete panic. Um, so he just ran out empty-handed. While he was in this panic, he was trying to get a vehicle and he shot a taxi driver who actually died. And so at this point, the public, the Swiss public, were not having this shit. He's not good at it, is he? I mean, he's trying to get a car. Like, just, you've got a gun, just say, get out of the car. Most people will, will go along with that. They don't want to get shot. Well, in the face. no. The fucking Swiss do not go along with that. That's why they had to shoot him because a civilian pastry chef chased him down then the rest of the public formed an angry mob that held him there disarmed him and when the police arrived they said they basically had to stop him being ripped apart by the public so they didn't give one shit then they would like, like we don't you don't do this you don't come here and get, this is why people have swiss bank accounts because the pastry chefs of zurich <laughs> are fucking like weapons <laughs> so he was tried in zurich in september and he pled and was found guilty. And so this time he was sentenced to life imprisonment and hard labour. And after serving 17 years, he was judged as mentally unstable and was allowed to return to Britain on the proviso that he was sent to Broadmoor. Now, sorry, I didn't mention So for that. people who don't know, Broadmoor's an asylum, so that would swear you'd go for mental health rather yeah, than prison. Yeah, so, uh, most of the information this was from a book called Beautiful Idiots and Brilliant Lunatics by Rob Baker. It's pretty biased. <laughs> yeah. But in this book, it said that he was 
released in 1998, and then later his decomposing body was found in the woods. Oh. Apparently died of natural causes. But other books that I've read and articles have said that he, when he was sent to Broadmoor, he died there in 1988 at age 76. I mean, that sounds more believable than, go, but run it in the woods! It definitely <laughs> sounds more believable. Die. But literally, I've read about... I've read a few things and it's 50-50 of people saying he died in Broadmoor and people saying that, oh, he was released and found in the woods. Now, they are not loving releasing people from Broadmoor. So yeah. I don't really like that story. They but, just open the door and let them run through the woods. Yeah, well, we have no placement for you. Like, just... <laughs> like Blair Witch style. You've not been on the streets in, like, 40 years. But please, go and build a life now. In the woods. <laughs> not even in society. Just go, Joe. I mean, you'll so never I find civilization. It, so I don't think it's true, but I'd be interested if there's anyone that's like even more into the research than me that could find a definitive answer. Yeah. And I want the answer to be that he died in Broadmoor, FYI. Like, find the answer that I want. Like, don't come back and say, no, I found this because I'm going to not listen to you and I'll say, <laughs> someone else find the right answer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way I work. Alternative facts. That's the end of episode 17. Thanks for listening. You can rate, review, subscribe. You can chat to us on Twitter at SlaughterThePod. And send us an email. No one fucking emails us. SlaughterThePodcast. Some people email us. We definitely have a use for the email. Don't pretend like it's not happening. (laughs) Someone emailed us once. SlaughterThePodcast at gmail.com. Just send us like weird stories or just like, just have a chat. Just send us a selfie. Yeah. So listening to Slaughter doesn't make you a psycho. But hiding your own kid under the bed might. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.